Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. pouring out of your cunt mouth. I'm going to have to eat every fucking chicken in this room. Hello and welcome to Rule the Roost podcast. It's, you know, me, your host, to Trunk, joined by your other host, Raji Baines. How you doing? Did you like that hound-esque intro there, Raj? Yeah, um, I didn't know that when I tweeted earlier this week we'd be segueing from True Detective to Game of Thrones. It happened so immediately, but I'm, I'm sort of glad it has. Mate, you know, Game of Thrones, Friends, I, 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 I tell you what, the, the parable I've, I've been thinking about for Game of Thrones, because it's a bit nerdy. Right? Let's, let's, you know, let's not navigate that. It's brilliant, it's fantastic, but it is a bit nerdy. It reminds me of when you're about kind of 12, 11, 12, and lads, like, no one wanted to admit that they wanked, you know? For, for whatever reason, it was taboo. Even though everyone did it, no one wanted to admit that they did it until that one person was just like, yeah, if someone said, like, oh, he's a wanker, would be like, yeah, I am, actually. And then just everyone was like, oh, so am I, yeah. I do it all the time. I have, like, six a night. Game of Thrones seems very much like that for people in their 20s. There was, once, like... a guy, there was once a guy at my high school um, who, when we were about 12, 13, um, openly admitted that he didn't because he actually believed that it made you blind. So until he was about 16, he never, <laughs> he never had because he genuinely believed that happened. So we just laughed at him. Oh dear. He's a very, but very yeah. strange lad. Game of Thrones. So yeah, like in the office, like someone earlier was just like, uh, so Jack, um, do you, do you, do you watch any uh, TV um, or anything? It's kind of thing's a bit of an odd question, but yeah, yeah, I do, mate. Why? So do, you, do you watch like, all that American stuff and things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, some of it, you know, Wire, Breaking Bad, all that kind of thing. He's like, oh, right, yeah, like, so uh, do, do you ever watch, like, Game of Thrones or anything? I was like, yeah, fucking yes. Yes, do I, mate? Yeah. And he's like, oh, God, did you watch the first episode? Oh, it's so brilliant. But, like, it's still, because, you know, it's fantasy. It's still wrapped up in that kind of, like, Dungeons and Dragons kind of dusty cellars, lads in full costume kind of, world you know i don't know but there's Maybe boobies not. and dragons and that's all i watch there are boobies and dragons and lots of like heads getting chopped off and all that kind of thing which yeah. is pretty good i quite like it why were we we're talking about this probably too much we're gonna start getting people moaning at us i listen to you for spurs not for all that talk about geeky television tottenham hotspur football club um we uh we had a game last night didn't we mate um at the time of recording, it was last night. 
So we're recording on Tuesday. You can deduce that if you're clever. Um, it was uh, it was an interesting performance. I felt, mate. It was obviously the the scoreline was brilliant and it reflected very well upon the team. But do you think the way we played was a five five goal kind of performance? The way Sunderland did was um, from our touche touche. From from our perspective, it's pretty much a pre-season friendly, really. That's how I'm treating the rest of the season now with, with what we've got left to play for and what have you, and especially the the manner in which they're handling Sherwood and what have you. It's it's not really um it's not really being treated like we've got anything left to play for. Although we all know that, and you know a few of us have been brave enough to openly say it. Um, not a lot of people have. I mean, Gary Neville last night was saying that. It, Tottenham still have a lot to play for and what have you and that the timing of saying that Sherwood was going was odd and it was admittedly it is odd to just say it now because uh, it's not something that any of us didn't know I mean obviously nice peace of mind knowing that that's, that's the case but um, it's pre-season friendly for me it was, some of the play was training ground especially from Sunderland I mean it's it's very similar to that Newcastle game where we won 4-0 there. It, it had much more to do with how bad they were rather than how well we played. And obviously, you can only beat what's put in front of you, but it was, you know, we, we should have been beating them no matter what. I think what was encouraging for me was after we went ahead, there was that drive amongst the players to to kind of really put them to the sword. You could see they were thinking like, we can actually we can score a good five or six goals here. Let's let's just go for it. The players seemed really up for kind of a route, and I don't think we've seen that enough. So that that was encouraging at least. Um, before we go on to Christian Eriksen being the best player in the world, as he seems to be according to Tottenham Twitter, um, Harry Kane. What did you make of his performance? Um, it was a slow start, um, but he grew into the game, and obviously the more he saw how bad. The Sunderland defence was the more confidence he gained, the better his touches became, the more attacking he was. Took his goal really well. Um, he could have probably had another couple. Um, the one that he, the one that kind of squirmed under the keeper's body for Adebayor's, um, he probably could have lashed a bit harder at and, and finished himself. And there were a couple others where he kind of snatched at him a little bit, but that's that's to be understood with his, you know, his first few chances in the Premier League, like real clear cut ones. Um, and especially the ages and the, the limited chances he's had so far, but it's a good indication. I mean, he was much better that, than much better than Connor Wickham. Definitely, I, I liked your your uh, comments about the Harry Kane and Connor Wickham. I think it was Connor Wickham is essentially Harry Kane if Harry Kane liked loads of shagging, beer, tattoos, and darts or something, wouldn't it? Which yeah. is pretty true. Um, I, the thing I quite like about Harry Kane. Is that he's he's never gonna be, okay? He's he's never gonna be our star. Like I think a lot of people have sort of said today. Oh, he's he's in that kind of Sheringham mould and whatever. I mean, the lad's only twenty. People forget that for a start. So you know, pay, perhaps people have written him off a bit too quickly. I know I have. I after his spell from Norwich, I thought, nah, this lad's nothing. He's a no hope. Get rid. But I, I happily admit I was wrong. He has a lot. More talent than I thought he did. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be someone that's like a, a first teamer for us, and it's going to be leading the line. But for a big lad, um, he is versatile. He ha- he has decent feet. For the fourth goal, I believe it was when Adebayo was hideously offside. 
Um, his, his kind of his turnaround, the defender and his footwork was absolutely fantastic. He arguably should have finished it. Um, but you know, that's, that's just nitpicking. Um, cause Monone was, is a horrible goalkeeper as well. I'll throw that in. Um, but I think he had a bad know, night. I think he's been all right in the past for them, for Sunderland. I think really? last night was particularly bad. I think uh, Gareth said last time as well when he was on that he's been one of their better players. But, you know, it's probably not hard being one of Sunderland's better players. But I think no, that was I, a, I mean, a particularly I know he, bad he, night. He had that one game, didn't he, when he came off the bench for Arsenal when I think like Chesney got injured and people were like, Jesus, who's his keeper? Because... He, he made something like a ridiculous amount of saves and looked absolutely fantastic and then just sort of slipped into obscurity after that. Um, but yeah, Harry Kane, I think he's, he's a decent option for those kind of, when we think about those kind of Bolton away, Stoke away, I think those games most, that we've um, always... Yeah, I think the most interesting thing about him is often a misconception about him is he's not a, he's not a line leader. He never once last night looked to be getting beyond the last defender, as you know, a shoulder type def- uh, striker would be Jermaine Defoe's of the world. He, he hung back a lot more, which didn't work sometimes with Adi Bayor playing because they both want to hang back a little bit. And he played as a, a bit more of a number 10, hanging back and, and feeding off the ball, trying to hold it up and lay it off a little bit more. He was drifting out to the flanks, which was nice to see because there's a high work rate there for him. So I don't think he'll ever be, a, as you say, a 30-goal-a-season striker because I don't think he's got that that natural finishing ability, that natural want to, to just be the one who's banging him in and scoring goals. You know, what, what we were sold, Soldado, to be at the start of the season, somebody who's just on the pitch to get goals. Um, I think he's a bit more interested in the football aspect of it and a bit better at that, to be honest, because if you remember back when he was much younger and... Uh, he was playing under Redknapp, and Redknapp just essentially wanted to make him into a, a target man, and it never really suited him. He never really saw the best, uh, the best from him, just because he was being used incorrectly, I believe. And his performances for the um, for the younger ages teams at Tottenham are often played as that second striker rather than a target man. And um, I know he's, I think he's got a very good understanding with with Tom Carroll in that sort of. Um, that sort of age group as well. So um, he's always calling him like they—they they have a lot of banter on Twitter, don't they? Those two. I think like Harry's always calling him Secret Squirrel, <laughs> and uh, Carol on about how boring. Um, no, Tom Carroll always going about how boring Harry Kane is. Like a few of the young lads do that. Actually, they'll always be like, "Well, I'm stuck on the plane next to Harry today," and do those little crying, laughing emoji con things. Well, you'd rather that than Connor Wickham, where he. As we said before, would rather just be out shagging and drinking. Um, the fact that he is boring. If you look at the the best players in the world, they're all when it's game time, they'll all be boring. Ronaldo trains seven times a week. Bale, you know, instead of eating Christmas dinner like Michael Dawson does, he goes out and does a half mile, a half marathon rather than spending time with his family. These players do nothing else. They're boring individuals. But they're they're they're, they're they're HB pencils, really, aren't they? Yeah, different different. Different, uh, different breed there. Um, well, we've we've gone on about him. Let's go on to Christian Eriksen now, the best player in world football, um, undisputedly. Um, no, but it, it, you know, let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves. But let's get ahead of ourselves. The lad's fucking brilliant. Um, he's, in my opinion, our next player. Um, if you you know, if you consider kind of Carrick, Berbatov, Modric. Um, the other one that we've just been talking about. I, I'd say he's kind of 
he's that. He's the next kind of Tottenham main man, um, if not already, to be honest. Do you uh, do you believe the hype, Raji Baines? Yeah, and to a degree, I think he's fantastic. Um, I still don't like him from the left as he was playing last night. I mean, Sunderland was so poor that they weren't picking him up, and was it Phil Bardsley that was over there that just seemed disinterested in getting anywhere near him? And the players that were floating about and changing positions was obviously too much for Sunderland to be to be coping with. I don't think he's he'll ever play that position to the level he did last night against one of the better sides. And if we're aspiring to, to beat these better sides, I don't think that's a position we want to be playing him in. Um, going forwards, I do think he's much more natural through the centre. Um, but that said, given his age, given the way in which he's, he's improved already since he's been at the club, the flashes of brilliance, the fact that he'll have now this time to have learnt about the league, learnt about the club. Um, I don't think, I think I'm right in saying Denmark aren't at the World Cup. I don't believe. Um, I think they got knocked out in the, um, what do you call them, the playoff stages. Um, I think, so he'll have a summer off to himself and then a full pre-season with Tottenham. So I, I can expect much more from him next season and hopefully we, we start building the team around him because um, he's the type of player that we need to, to bring the other players into plays. He's fantastic in that manner. He's almost like a amalgamation of some of the aspects Modric had with possession and then some of that flair aspect that Van der Vaart had in front of him. He's like a 50-50 between the two, um, which is lovely to see, and he's only going to be getting better. Um, and hopefully we can we can hold on to him for the, the mid to long term because he's he's nowhere near his prime as yet. He's still a lad. Um, and he'll be getting better, as I say, over time. Do you, uh, I, I don't want to play into this too much, um, but if you were to kind of compare him with Ozil's first season, what do you think he's doing right that Ozil's doing apparently wrong? Because their contribution to the team in terms of statistically is pretty much identical, but people seem to be painting Ozil as you know, this complete flop, whereas Ericsson's getting painted as a, as a wonder kid. I think um, Ericsson's come from a situation in Ajax that's a very similar situation to the one at Tottenham. Um, where he's he's doing similar for the amount of for the team, the players around him are of a similar level, um, and they're playing as good a football. I think the coaching you'd have got at Ajax is probably better than what he's receiving at Tottenham at the minute. Um, with Özil, it's different because he's he's come from Madrid, where you know he's not the big man, he's not the one that's going to have to have the entire you know the, the pressure that Arsenal have put on him from. Yeah, every of aspect of the club. Well, um, he was carrying their season, wasn't he? Essentially, their their version of Lamella. The amount of you, know, you remember when Lamella first signed, and we expected him to immediately. Well, I say we. Some people expected him to immediately slip in and be Gareth Bale reborn, but just a an Argentinian version with shitter hair. Um, and it's it's difficult for him to adapt. He's he's played in Germany. He's played in Spain. And with Madrid, where he's had outlets like Di Maria and Ronaldo to be playing the ball into, and strikers like Benzema and Higuain, and now he's got, you know, at this stage of the season, he's got a half knackered Giroud in front of him, and, and wingers that just aren't aren't the same level as the ones at, at Madrid. I mean, the fairly competent footballers, but there's no way that they're on the, the same you know, level as the people at Madrid are by any stretch of the imagination. So he's coming to a very different situation. I don't think. Uh, he'd be an idiot to write him off. Um, I mean, as much as I like 
singing a song about Ozil being shite. Um, I don't think that's the case whatsoever. Um, I think that's quite reactionary, to be honest. But um, as long as he gets the the right coach in Arsenal, he gets his head around the league and playing as much football as they're making him do, and uh, he um, he grows into that sort of the um, the pressure he has there. He'll um, he'll do better. I mean, he gets the same sort of stick from uh, the German national team because they hold they hold him up on a similar sort of pedestal. So he's getting it from all sorts of angles. But you know, he's, he's still twenty four, twenty five. He'll he'll kick on and he'll he'll be all right. I should imagine. Um, not that that's any concern of ours. Do you uh, do you think we can finish above Arsenal? It depends how badly they capitulate. To be honest, um, they're fairly bad at the moment. Everton made them look very average. Um, oh, which they, was, weren't, they weren't that good, mate. <laughs> I know it was it was amusing to see. I mean, the fact that you know one little tactical change from Martinez, um, dumbfounded that both the players and, and Wenger to such a degree where they couldn't cope was was embarrassing really. I mean he shifted Lukaku slightly wider to play him against Monreal and because they weren't expecting that and because that had happened it was just they they completely bottled it really and it was it was it was amusing to watch but um they go through the Arsenal have essentially done the opposite of what they've done the past few seasons where they've started badly and then come into some sort of league winning form towards the end of the year like they had the last few times eventually they've, they've gone the other way where they've they've started really well and now they're falling off but I'd imagine they did I was reading the Guardian today and there's a situation where Everton have was got that with a, was that as you were having a what is it like a, a kale and wheatgrass smoothie mate no I don't drink any of that rubbish yeah think. yeah um, just read the Guardian whilst, whilst chomping on a quinoa salad no, it was, I, it genuinely, I'd found a, um, a half red one left on the on the train rather than buying it myself. I was just kind of, it was an opportunist thing rather than spending money on it. I've done, I, don't, I've I, I, I just realised I've become like a circa 1995 Chelsea player by making fun of you for reading The Guardian. Well, it was the, it was the paper available to me. And if you, you get off of The Guardian or The Metro, there's only one place to be going. I mean, there's... Of course, Metro, Metro is a daily man in disguise, mate. Who wants that shit rag? Essentially, I hate Metro. I mean, they've got shit football writers like Spooky in it. Who wants to be getting on with that? <laughs> Bloody potato um, bastard. And um, he don't listen to this, so there's no point in digging him out, is there? Um, yeah, I was reading The Guardian, sorry, getting back onto point, And there's a situation where Everton have got to play City at home. And if they were to then beat City, that means they inadvertently would help ever- Liverpool towards the title. So <laughs> there's that strange way where they, they either almost sacrifice fourth place and, and give it to Arsenal a little bit more if they lose that game, or they try and win it and they help out Liverpool. So it's a very strange position to be in for them. And I mean, uh, some of their fans have caught into the piece. It was written by Hater, so I mean, there's... Only so much truth you can take out of an article from a man who apparently it's essentially is Tim Show's mouthpiece in the media yeah. at the moment, isn't he? So, I mean, the amount of truth you can take out of it is, you know, take it with a pinch of salt. But um, it's an interesting thing, especially with the fixture list. I know um, I did a quick little have a look in the tweets about it, and there's certainly some sort of disgruntlement between the um, the Everton fans between it. And I think quite a few of them would, would happily see Everton concede for as long as Liverpool didn't win the title. But, you know, for us, um, I mean, if it, if it could work out in some sort of way that Everton managed to still get fourth and 
Liverpool didn't win the title, I mean, that would be ideal. Um, but it doesn't seem that the way the fixture are panning out that that's going to be at all possible. But um, we've somehow digressed quite spectacularly there. Yeah, well, fuck it. Fuck Arsenal. Fuck everything else. Um, this is where we've got to segue into a West Brom interview that we're unsure of whether or not it's there or not. Right, well, what's going on at the moment is, because we're both such busy and important people, we found it hard to find... Well, and the fact that West Brom is shit. Sorry to any West Brom guests that are coming on. We found it very hard to find a West Brom guest, but we have a potential who may be here tomorrow, which Raj can do and I can't, or we have a potential for Thursday, which I can do and Raj can't. So this next part you're about to hear is going to be either myself or Raj talking to... A baggy, as they like to be known, um, and, and Harry Redknapp doesn't like to be known as. Uh, <laughs> they're weird club. So, yeah, tune in and listen. You're already tuned in. What should what we put to- in? If, like, if it works out that neither of us can speak to anyone, should we put something else in the middle? We'll just pretend like it never happened. I'm going to like nick one of your to trunk episodes and just put them in the middle. Don't do that to the people, mate. Don't do it to them. Why? No one wants that. People love your stuff. That's what you are. Funny video, man. Funny video, man. Yeah. Sort of funny video, man. One trick um, pony. Yeah. Hashtag. Hashtag one trick pony. I see how we got a few tweets today. Get him to do some voice. Do you know I'm like, I might as well be like one of those great, like, flabby sea lions just with a load of horns in front of me. Like, uh, 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 uh. Um, have you um, yeah. have you seen the um, the Sea World documentary that Blackfish about how they mistreat there? I haven't. It's supposed to be brilliant, though. It's really good. I I, I mean, it made me never want to go to Sea World again. Uh, not that I had any particular desire to. But it's really good. You should watch it, especially you with your vegetarian tofu eating Morrissey loving ways. You'll you'll buy right into it. I I, I refute only the Morrissey part of that last day. <laughs> Right. Anyway, um, um, yeah, I think you're about to hear either silence or one of us two speaking to somebody with a Birmingham accent. How? Uh, that's actually a really good impression. I, I could like just leave that in and not have to put the rooster one in. <laughs> yeah, welcome back to Roller Roost. As, as we said yesterday, it will be one of the two of us, and as you can tell, it's just myself. Sadly, Jack won't be joining me for the time being, but I am being joined by Nathan, uh, a West Brom supporter. How are you, Nathan? Yeah, very well. Thanks for having me on, Raj. No problem. Um, Should we dive straight in then? Yeah, definitely. Looking forward to getting stuck in. (laughs) Perfect. We were looking forward (laughs) to somebody with a bit of a brummy accent, so you filled that criteria (laughs) already. Um, So if we start with your summer, it actually seemed quite positive at the start of the season. You bought some good attacking players, it seemed. Um, Were you confident at that stage? Uh, yeah, it's an interesting summer um, at West Brom. I, I reckon most of the fans, um, with the activity, um, obviously in the transfer market, most of the fans were, uh, were were quite looking forward to the to the campaign ahead. Um, obviously, some big names came in, such as Lugano, uh, Analka, um, which is particularly big for us because such a stellar name coming to a club like ours. Um, there was obviously lots of excitement. Um, also, the likes of Stefan Cessanani uh, came in in January uh, to add to those sort of names. So we were really trying to build uh, a good, solid squad building on last season. 
Uh, and most of the transfers um, sort of backfired quite spectacularly as, a, as the season's developed. Uh, I think we can now relate to that, can't we? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, it's happened across quite a few uh, top-flight clubs, hasn't it? Uh, well, I mean, we had the, um, the other TV money this year, didn't we? So a lot of clubs have, have obviously seen that as an opportunity to, to spend quite heavily in the transfer market. So even smaller clubs, as as you say, like West Brom, not, not trying to be too demeaning, but um, you know, you've had that extra revenue to, to buy players such as Anelka and, and pay them the wages that they were after, weren't they? I think it's about astute investment and using that money uh, to effect and unfortunately for us it stems from the very top the money was not spent wisely um, I mean we couldn't uh, unfortunately seal uh, on, on on January seal another loan deal for Lukaku so we, we faced um, a summer transfer market really needing uh, a goal scorer who was going to score 10-15 goals uh, obviously Shane Long has left this year um, and Peter Odenwingi also left I think Anelka was brought in because Steve Clark wanted him uh, and thought he would be able to provide a bit of panache uh, experience. And Had they obviously, known each other from Chelsea as well. Yeah, um, sorry, did they overlap and know each other from Chelsea? Yeah, uh, I think that might have been it. Actually, the the fact that they uh, they had some past experience. Um, and obviously, uh, Clark knew what Anelka was about, but he was on his last legs, and obviously that didn't turn out very well whatsoever, looking back in hindsight. Um, Diego Lugano, uh obviously brought in on a free, but ludicrous amount of uh, of wages, and he's rarely featured, and when he has, he's been uh, really underwhelming. Uh, Alan Fortano came in, also in the summer on a free. He's been one of the few transfers that has uh, actually impressed and you know, um, it, I wouldn't be surprised if we were to secure uh, him on a, on, a, on a permanent basis in the summer. Um, and he's been scoring quite a lot of important goals of late. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously, as you've mentioned about money coming in from TV rights and stuff, um, and the money, obviously, that we uh, we generated from selling a number of players in the summer, it wasn't it wasn't spent correctly, and we're really feeling the after effects of that now. Yeah, um, another player you brought in was Scott Sinclair. Um, I mean, you you made a big deal about it. I remember through social media, and you gave him a, a big shirt number, and you you're quite happy to have brought him in. But he's he's not really featured too heavily. Um, what's really happened to to him at the club? Only he knows. Uh, <laughs> he's 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 really really enigmatic. Actually, it's hard to work out because. At Swansea, he was a tremendous player and, uh, you know, scored tons of goals, created lots of goals. Uh, then obviously went to Man City, lured by ridiculous pay packet, no doubt. Faded there. We gave him a chance, tried to revitalise his career. Uh, but he, he just, as you say, he has not played enough games. Um, and Mel re- has recently said that, you know, he's only, he can obviously he can only pick so many players and he's picking the ones that, are working hard and in, in, in training and he feels that can do a job on, on a Saturday or Sunday. And obviously Sinclair doesn't fit into that criteria. Um, I think he's a, he's a, what should we, what should we say? A, a luxurious player. One that um, maybe prefers the taking on of a man more than uh, tracking back and helping out the team. And that doesn't really uh, fit to what West Brom is all about. Um He's he's been really really disappointing. He's another one that's on a very large amount of money, uh, and I think it'll be a huge relief when he returns to Man City. 
because I can't I can't see him uh, joining us on a permanent basis after making what is it like ten appearances this season. Really, yeah. really disappointing. I think the most interesting part for about West Brom, especially for someone like me that's interested in club specifics, is um, the way in which you're actually organised as a club. Because is it Jeremy Peace is the owner, and he's mm. he's quite a hands-on owner, isn't he? He's, he runs the club day to day as well, and then he's got a is it a director of football or almost a, a director of, of sport yeah, at the club who handles everything? Well, it's the sporting and technical director is Richard Garlick. It who, used to um, be. Um, Ashworth before, but he, yeah, it used to be Dan Ashworth. But I mean, Dan Ashworth was a fantastic um, person to have in the club for us. Uh, he did; he worked wonders in signing the likes of Graham Doran, Joseph Malumbu for really small prices. Uh, and it's, it was no real surprise when England came calling uh, that they wanted his services, and off he went to the FA and, as well. Now he's at the FA, isn't he? Mm, he's, he's he's got quite a, a high level job at the FA now, and that hasn't really surprised me. So obviously yeah. we brought in Richard Garlic to to uh, replace him, uh, alongside obviously uh, who's it? I think it was David David McIndale, who was head of recruitment. However, he left in February this year because apparently he was causing unrest within the camp. Uh, and then you've got obviously uh, Peace, who's been our chairman since two thousand and two. As you say, quite a hands-on chairman. One of the few left that isn't a either a Russian oligarch or a Malaysian tycoon. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, what do fans want? You know, do they want a, uh, a a British chairman who allegedly knows the club um, and isn't going to, you know, for example, change the name and change the tradition? Shirt colour. Um, yep, yeah, shirt colour. Cardiff. <laughs> um, well, you've got, um, you've got a madman um, down the road as well at Birmingham, haven't you? Because one of my mates is a, a Birmingham fan and he doesn't even know where their owner is half the time. I think he's actually in jail at the minute, isn't he? Yeah, yeah the, the, uh, the tie owner. Yeah. He's money laundry. Yeah, that's, that's a really precarious situation that they're in. Um, so, yeah, that, I mean, that's a key example. I mean, Peace was, he's, he's, he's never going to get into that sort of trouble. Um, he's a very tight chairman, and lots of fans um, have been slating him this season and, and, and saying that the un- unsuccess on the pitch has been because of him uh, not spending enough money. I mean, very rarely does he spend, uh, get his wallet out and spend a large amount of money to really make us push on. I mean, we've been an established Premier League force now for a few years, and now it's time to step up. We should not be talking about relegation. We're we're past the yo-yo tag. We should be focusing on Europe, Europe perhaps, uh, definitely a top 10 finish. We've got the players to do it, but it's about peace spending the money uh, to, 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 you know, he did do it in the summer, but albeit on the wrong players. Um, and yeah, uh, and also um, in terms of people at the top, we've got... Uh, the head of European recruitment, Tony Spearing, and head of scouting, Stuart White, who also played a role in the uh, in the hapless transfers of, of the summer. So all in all, it stems from the top, not only the players, but um, it, we've always been sort of renowned for being a, a well-run, organised club. And, and that sort of uh, started to come into jeopardy this, this year, I think. And it made me laugh while you were describing it because you could have almost swapped the names for the the boardroom level people at Tottenham, and it's almost like a, a sister situation you've got there with people wanting more money spent for more results coming in because it's it's very similar when we actually did spend the money this summer, albeit having recouped it from the the massive sale that we made. But um, it's a similar situation. But yeah, because your, your summer your summer business was like a football manager say, wasn't it? <laughs> it really you know, was. just we'll have Capu, we'll have Lamella, we'll have. Paulinho, we'll have Soldado. <laughs> you 
you know, you, you, you obviously you spent a, a really, really large amount of money. I mean, yeah, there was so much hope. And we, as, as you said, we sacked our manager at, at similar times as well. Um, but I think the ideology at both clubs marries in as well because you have, um, as we said before, Richard Garlick there. But it wasn't the idea that the, the managers are supposed to be replaceable. So they're essentially just head of the players and they, they train them and they, they come up with the tactics. But the squad... Uh, the squad is there with an ideology in place so that if a manager was to leave, you'd be able to then just almost retrofit another manager and put him in place so that the, the players would fit again. Because um, you lost one manager in Hodgson and then you, you've replaced him really well. But when it came to hiring Mel, it didn't really make much of a much sense because what he'd built at Betis was over time. And although he did a really good job, um, people must know this, but he... he brought them up a division, he, he kept them in there, did really well, he beat Sevilla a couple of times, which is massive for a club like Betis in that city, but he had his squad sold from under him, which <laughs> isn't a, an ideal situation to be in, and then when the form went to pot, because essentially their their entire team met earlier this season and had to be rebuilt, um, he got sacked, and then when you picked him up, his ideology of pressing and playing a certain technical style of football didn't really marry with the counter-attacking speedy football that you'd been playing beforehand I mean what was it what was the feeling around when when Clark got sacked and and Mel was brought in to replace him after a long period of time because it was a it's a strange period in between managers as well wasn't it yeah you've 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 hit it on the on the head there really I mean it, exactly it's a transition um and it's it's too differing uh, ideologies and two very different managers I mean under Clark as you say we were playing the counter-attacking football we could do that because we had the likes of Romelu Lukaku who we got on loan and that very much revolved around him now Mel's came in it's all about press 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 keep the ball um, I know he's, he's uh, fond of a passing philosophy which is hard to implement in, in the Premier League uh, obviously very physical and a lot more intense than La Liga uh, I mean it, it, the general feeling when Clark went uh, was it had to be done? We were, no doubt we were in a downward spiral. Um, performances were not good enough. The squad was hugely underperforming. Clark kept uh, tinkering with the team. He didn't really seem to have um, control of the group. It was it was it was the polar opposite of of the last season when we finished eighth. And I remember I went to the game um, Cardiff away on the night that he got that he got axed and we lost 1-0 and that was that rates as one of the worst performances I've I've seen an Albion team play um and yeah i mean the club i wouldn't exactly say acted swiftly but they obviously had mel in mind from the start um and eventually after quite a long managerial search uh he came in very few albion fans knew much about him uh i personally didn't know that much. I I, I was aware that he he, uh, he brought Betis up from the Segunda to the uh, first division in in, in Spain. Um, that was pretty much it. As you say, I know. Well, I know that the core of, uh, of the Betis squad left him, so that wasn't exactly his fault. He's came in. He's made uh, a, a an okay start, a steady start, but not, it doesn't exactly um, came in all guns blazing. Uh, he's he's been able to get the best out of a few players that were fading under Clark, i.e. Graham Dorans, James Morrison, um, Stefan Sessanon had a great game last weekend, deployed in the hole, 
Um, he's got the best out of, well, he's starting to get the best out of Liam Ridgewell. He's giving youth a go. Donovan Daniels, Liam O'Neill, Kemar Roof, uh, Craig Dawson. They've all, um, start, they're all starting to appear in the first team fold, which is always positive to see. Uh, but now we just need him to, to win at home because there's been too many draws and we're yet to uh, see a Mel victory at the Hawthorns. So hopefully, hopefully that will happen on Saturday uh, and we can finish this season strongly. Uh, let Mel bring in the players that he wants and the coaching staff that he wants to fit his, his ideology in the summer and uh, we can have a successful campaign next year. It was quite political, wasn't it? You touched on the coaching staff, didn't he? He originally was lined up to take the job but refused it because he wanted to bring in his entire backroom staff from who he'd worked with previously, but you wanted to allow him to work with people who'd already been at the club. And then mm-hmm. there was... Who else were you linked with in that period? You've been There was a few other uh, managers that you tried to get in that... Um, yeah. Mark, Malky Mackay, I think, had been sacked and you'd... Uh, Solar to, as well. Yeah, Solar. Mackay, um, as you say, we were linked with Martin Yol. We were linked with Paolo Di Canio. We were linked with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, the fella from Real Madrid, the assistant, not, not Mourinho, the, the assistant, um, Paul Car- Clement. Uh, oh, I thought you meant Carranca that went to Middlesbrough. Oh, oh, we might have been linked, but that was a tenuous one, I think. But we were quite, <laughs> we were quite heavily linked with Paul Clement. Um, and yeah, we were linked with quite a few. Um, uh, Sean Dyche as well from Burnley. Yeah. But I think from day one, the, they wanted uh, Pepe Mel. But it was just the... the, um, the, what, the uh, plan of of organising his his backroom staff and make and ensuring that if he was to come he wouldn't be um, upset or uh, disgruntled with it, with with the uh, coaching staff that he was going to inherit because um, obviously he's coming to a new country a new league and he needs to adapt and it's very hard when you're trying to implement your own uh, your own work into a into a new side without the, the people that you know the people that you're used to you're familiar with. Um, but you know, I think what will happen in the summer is uh, he'll be given uh, a, lot, a lot more uh, time and freedom. He'll be able to bring in. Uh, hopefully, if we stay up, this is he'll be able to bring in uh, some some coaches that he knows in Spain and Betis. Um, I'm not sure if Keith Downing will will stay on. Who's the current assistant coach? He may well have to leave to accommodate room for Mel's um, uh, people that Mel know, Mel knows. So. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting summer. I think the move had to be done, though, um, for Mel. And, you know, I, I like him. He's very emotional, very charismatic, uh, very animated. But uh, I, I think it's really hard to judge him in such a short period of time. I think, you know, in the Premier League, we all know it's a cutthroat business. I think uh, fans already slating him and calling for his head is, is quite ridiculous. We need to give him sufficient time. So he can uh, really make an effect because he, he's definitely got it in him. Um, I think one of our fan questions actually bought into that because obviously the papers have been getting onto the fact that there's been a little bit of unrest surrounding him and that perhaps he may be let go in the summer regardless, although that's probably not the case from what you've said. But you, you've had um, our current manager, Tim Sherwood, linked. Um, what do you make of that? Well, personally, I, I think that's that's rubbish um <laughs> i mean i i think it's it's uh, a classic case of uh, a newspaper sensi- sensationalizing uh, the fact that mel's obviously um slightly unsure or the, 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 there's uncertainty surrounding his future at the moment uh, and obviously sherwood has been told that he'll be uh, relieved of his duties at tottenham in the summer 
and they've put two and two together and thought that Sherwood might might be a good appointment at West Brom, uh, purely because of the uncertainty surrounding us at the moment. Um, I think he's. I mean, I don't know what you make of Sherwood as, as what he's done there and impact, but personally, from from an outsider looking in, he seems quite an abrasive um, character and one that perhaps Peace wouldn't really um, go for. And you know, he tends to go for the the more calmer, more um, Mowbray esque type managers than yeah. someone like Tim Sherwood. Yeah, Sherwood's definitely an abrasive type of character. There was um, several tweets from the press the other night um, when we played Sunderland on Monday night, so a couple of nights ago now, um, where he, a couple of the fans near him, because uh, if you've ever been to White Lane, the press mm. directly behind the two dugouts, so every single word that's said, if it's said at a, a normal speaking volume, you can hear clearly with the way it is now, you know, live streams going out from press and tweets coming out. They almost can monologue what what's gone on on the benches, and a few fans were getting on the back of Danny Rose especially. He turned around, effing and jeffing at them, telling them not to to get behind the players. And although the message is right that you know if you're at the ground, you should be supporting the club and supporting the players that are wearing the shirt. Managers shouldn't really be you know behaving in a way that they have an open dialogue with fans in the stand when they should be concentrating on the actual action on the field. And there's been several things with that. There was in the Europa League, he had a set to with the Benfica manager, Jorge Jesus, and made himself look a bit of a mug there. And then he spent a couple of days, it was games, sorry, where he sat in the stand self-imposed and started saying that he was um, he was doing it because he, he wanted a better view of the pitch. Um, and then he was saying that it was because he couldn't, um, in the Liverpool game, he said that he didn't come down because he felt like he couldn't, um, influence the game at all which is ridiculous to say as a manager and um, it's just a comedy of errors that he's, he's come through so I mean for example last when we were speaking about it on, on other sections of the podcast I mean I played Celebration by Cool and the gang when we were talking about him leaving just because <laughs> I, was, I was so happy to, to get shot of him because he's, he's he's supposed to be an Arsenal fan as well so I'm uh, who are your big rivals Wolves I imagine so yeah Wolves so uh, Wolves legend imagine uh, or a Wolves fan Steve Bull, that would be probably yeah. So Steve Bull coming to manage your club, you wouldn't it wouldn't sit right, would it? So I think that's the sort of situation surrounding it. So he seems stuck in the dark ages as well in terms of tactics. He's still he's still playing a four four two, isn't he? Well, on occasion he does. Um, occasion it works, but it's just odd decisions like playing Christian Eriksen, who's a number ten on the left, and mm. just leaving defenders exposed, and just some of the sloppy mistakes we make. We can just tell that. There's nothing conducive being done in training. I mean, people just make jokes because it's got beyond the point where um, where you can really be bothered about it anymore, especially with the fact that we've now announced he's going. Um, because we just say, do playing shirts and skins at training. They turn up, play a game for an hour and go home. You know, <laughs> play 10 minutes of red ass at the end for anyone. Heads <laughs> of volleys. But, I mean, it's a horrible situation, but... To get back to West Brom and stop talking about Tottenham because it's just a horrible thing to talk about at the minute. Well, West um, Brom's not much better, but <laughs> yeah. exactly, it's, it's a bit more interesting for me, hopefully. Um, but we had um, off the off and on the field, it's been controversial because on the field, obviously, you had Nicholas Anelka's um, famous Quinell. Right, um, yeah. What was what was that like to to be a supporter of the club where you know all sorts was brought into question the way in which the club handled it and the fact that. Eventually, you did the right thing by sacking him, and I mean it's comparable to 
things like Luis Suarez and Patrice Evra. Definitely. At least you didn't come out wearing T-shirts for that one and, and now hold him <laughs> up on a pedestal. And, yeah. Um, I mean, as a fan, as a West Brom fan, we're not really used to um, so much media attention because the, the, the past few uh, seasons, uh, we, you know, we've just gone about our business very, very quietly indeed. Suddenly, a big ego like an Alka comes, obviously uh, does the Quinell, and there's absolute furore and outrage. I mean, I was I was watching the game live on Sky Sports, and he, he did it in the in the draw um, against West Ham. Yeah. And at the time, I didn't actually realise, along with many people in Britain, I think that he he'd performed the Quinell. I didn't actually know what the Quinell was, um, and obviously it's an ambiguous gesture and one that can be interpreted in, in many ways. Uh, personally, I don't think he deserved a ban. Um, I think, as I said, with a, with, with a, with a gesture that um, can be interpreted in different ways and the fact that the media did really hype it up a lot, um, I think that sort of combined um, to, make the, to, to make the FA uh, give him a lengthy ban and that's obviously resulted in him leaving West Brom. Um, and then there's the the bust up, uh, in, well, the alleged bust up in the training room, uh, in the so in the dressing room after the uh, Cardiff draw. Berahino, Berahino, and uh, Morrison. Again, it, you know, is how true is that? How credible is that story? I'm not sure. I mean, was it just a, a, a scratch or a slap, and it, now it's suddenly a massive punch up? Um, is it a case of media sensationalism? I don't know. I mean, I think it's I think it's good that they've shown that they're actually bothered. You know that we we uh, we let a goal in ninety plus five after scoring a uh, seemingly what was a winner in ninety plus four. I think that's good that they've showed actual uh, concern. But it's about channeling that uh, that fight into something positive on the pitch, um, and all these controversies uh, off the pitch are just you know and on on and on the pitch are not going to be good. For, for West Brom going forward, um, everyone knows that, and and the sooner we eradicate these problems, uh, you know, the, the better it's going to be. Yeah, um, it's interesting you say that because from a Tottenham perspective, everything we do, I mean, a player can't wipe his ass at Spurs without it making the back pages. So, I mean, yeah. we, we we have all sorts of things. It's kind of something that you you have to kind of brush off after a while. But Berrino is an interesting player because he's he's had good performances and obviously he's. He's eligible for England, even though he came over as a was it a refugee? He came over, yeah, from Burundi, war-torn Burundi, as a ten-year-old. So a similar situation to I think Mo Farah would be the the best comparison, wouldn't it? Because he was born yeah. elsewhere. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, and he's now eligible for, for Britain, as we've seen. But how's he performed? Because he's... he's He's been one of those players that's been linked with being the wild card inclusion for England's World Cup squad, and I think that's probably out of the question now. But um, he, he started the season and he's been scoring the odd few goals as well. Mm. Well, Barahino is an interesting one because um, I actually watched him when he was coming up through the youth ranks in the under tw- uh, twenty-one sides, and he was a cut above, you know, miles ahead of all the other players. And it was it was obvious. I know it's easy to say now, but it was obvious at that stage that he was going to be called up to the senior te- team. Uh, sooner or later, obviously uh, came onto the scene with that um, sumptuous finish at Old Trafford when we when we when we won two uh, one earlier in the season in September. Um, he made his name. He pretty much made his name through that goal. And uh, you know, many West Brom fans are thinking to themselves, "Wow, we've got a we've got a really precocious uh, talent here. Um, let's try and let's try and give him a, a, a run of games and see what he can do. What what impact can he make?" Um, you know, a few games later, he, you know, playing steadily, given a new contract, a brand new contract. I think it was around the festive period. Um, a lot of, I think he was getting paid um, eight hundred pound a week when he before he got the new deal, and that obviously went up quite significantly. Uh, and ever since he signed that new deal, he's done very, very little indeed. Um, he, he he hasn't played that much. He's made sort of uh, ten minute, fifteen minute cameos off the bench. Um, he did score a, an important goal on New Year's Day in a home win against Newcastle from the from penalty spot. But apart from that, um, other players have sort of usurped him in the team. Uh, I'm not sure how much Mel, um, how much he's going to fit into Mel's plans in terms of the pressing game because he, he can be quite lazy and he's got um, disciplinary problems as well. Um, sort of reinforced, reinforced by the dressing room bust up, um, and yeah, I mean, it, I, I think I've been quite disappointed. Um, I could speak on behalf of West Brom fans, being disappointed with him since he signed his new contract. But hopefully, um, hopefully he uh, he can improve. I know he's doing well for the England under twenty one team, um, and he keeps bang- scoring goals for them and banging them in. But uh, yeah, definitely too soon for him to make the World Cup. But I'm sure he can set his he set his sights on two thousand and eighteen Russia if he keeps working hard and. Uh, you know, just improves his, his overall uh, temperament and, and petulance. He sounds um, he sounds like a mini antibiotomy with the way <laughs> he behaves and falling out. Quite possibly. People. Yeah, as long as he's as good on the field in, in time, then it should be okay. Um, if we talk more about this game specifically, I remember West Brom, we, we drew 1-1 earlier this year at White Hart Lane, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. then last season at, at the Hawthorns, we won 1-0. So there was a red card for who was it that spat at someone? It was uh, Goran Popov, and he spat on Carl Walker, didn't he? Yeah, so he, he was sent off deservedly. That's a disgusting thing to be doing. Yeah, definitely. And Bale scored that screamer on the yeah. edge of the box, didn't? But he? there wasn't much between us apart from that screamer. I think we we were camped on the edge of our box from the second that red card was made. But um, you were you you still threatened Lukaku. I think Lukaku actually had to go off after the red card, which pretty much gave us the incentive. But it's 
you've got quite a good record over it at, at the Hawthorne. So is this one that you feel like, especially with, with Tottenham, that we've pretty much got nothing to play for this season? We're being honest with ourselves, but you've you've pretty much got everything to be playing for now and consolidating your place in the league. Is this one that West Brom fans are looking at as a possible scalp? Well, I'm I'm relatively confident, actually, because A, I think it's a good time to play Spurs with the uncertainty surrounding you at the moment. Uh, and the fact that, as you say, you haven't exactly got that much to play for and we're fighting for our lives uh, for, for, to, for survival at the bottom. Uh, as I mentioned earlier uh, earlier in the show, uh, we're yet to win at home under Pepe Mel. So, you know, the incentive is there to, to start well, um, really try and spring a surprise against Spurs and hopefully secure that elusive home win. Uh, we drew earlier in the season, and that was one of our actually our, our strongest um, disciplined performances of the whole campaign. It was, I think, it was the f- second game under um, the, the then interim coach Keith Downing, and we we played with five at the back, um, and w- our passing was was sharp. We created quite a lot of opportunities. Vidra, I remember, I think he started up front. He was getting in behind your defence. Um, and I think we were unfortunate, actually, not to take away uh, something more than a draw on that day. Uh, I think I think it could be a possible scalp, actually. Um, I'll be happy with the point. I mean, I've said uh, with six games to go, we need a win and a draw, and that should um, that should do it in terms of uh, staying up. So if we can get a point on Saturday, we only need one more win from our from our uh, fixture list, which is uh, obviously Spurs on Saturday, Man City away. West Ham at home, Arsenal away, Sunderland away, which is the penultimate game of the season. And then we've got Stoke at home. So we should be targeting Saturday as a, as a, as a positive result, a potential draw, uh, and to take full advantage of uh, your, your situation at the moment. How about you? I mean, do you think it's going it, to be a, a straightforward Spurs victory or, or what? Oh, there's no such thing as a straightforward Spurs <laughs> victory I mean, in any situation. I think... Um... From my perspective, I've I've said especially with that Sunderland game, it's just it's essentially an extended period of pre-season for us now. Um, the manager's not going to be there much longer. The players are just playing with freedom, knowing that they've got nobody to exp- uh, you know nobody to impress, and the tactics that they're playing under aren't going to be there for much longer. Sherwood's essentially it's an extended audition for him for other clubs um, who wants him in the summer, um, and what he's going to do. I mean, we've been linked with keeping him inside the club, but. I'd, I'd rather that didn't happen, to be honest, because he's, he's well known to have links inside the press and he's quite happy to leak stories from the training ground, which isn't the sort of person you want at the club, really, is it? So, um, And I've said previously about the way I feel about him and his love for Arsenal. So um, I can see you're probably scalping us, to be honest. You can probably beat us 1-0. Our defence is terrible. Um, if you saw that Sunderland game, we, we've actually made 18 errors this season. Uh, leading directly to goals, 18 individual errors, which is more than any other team. I think the most for about five seasons, which is shocking, to be honest, because a team as high as we are, uh, gifting goals to other teams is, is an appalling place to be. Um, so, 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 so you think your your defensive department is the weakest then? Because we've got Anachibi <laughs> coming back, who's um, you know really important to us at the moment. Do, do you think that'll be an interesting battle, Dawson and Anachibi? Um to be honest, Anachebi's not a player I rate. I think he's probably one of the worst players you brought in in the summer. I think against, I think if you actually were to play him, I wouldn't. I'd play a, I would 
play a striker with a bit of pace about him if Michael Dawson is to play. I think the most likely partnership will be Kabul and Kirakesh. And um, they should hopefully be competent between them um, enough. I mean, I think you're bound to at least score once. Um, Because we either concede in a silly manner or we manage to keep a clean sheet because Hugo Lloris has been fantastic. Um, and he's one player I feel sorry for because he, he's absolutely 10 out of 10 every week. A and very then, good goalkeeper, Lloris. Yeah, and then, and then the defence seemed to let him down. But I think if Dawson plays on a chip, he's the sort of striker he can deal with because being a bit physical, being you know that sort of game is, is something he loves getting involved in. Whereas if the ball's on the floor and he has to chase players and harry him and somebody who's tricky with the feet, so you know, a Vidra or even a Barry. Maybe a, maybe a JV actually, um, the, the Mohawk. Uh, styled, yeah, the, the uh, guy you bought in on loan, yeah, mm, he yeah. might be a, a suitable option actually. Yeah, so he, he's somebody that could take advantage of us. But um, I mean, from from our perspective, who should we be worried about from from West Brom? Who's the player that is most likely to hurt us? Is it Amal Fortano? Uh, well, he, he he tends to sort of come up with an absolute peach of a goal, then then uh, disperse as the game goes on. Uh, I, I think if you should shift your focus more on Graham Dorans, who's making a mini renaissance in an Albion shirt at the moment. He's been given a, a lifeline by Pepe Mel, and he's played really well in, in, in recent outings. Um, if we play two up top, that's another area where you need to where you need to focus on. Um, Cheve and Anachibi um, could be good, or Anachibi and Vidra, because a big man, small man, Anachibi using his, his physical prowess. I know you don't really rate him, but... Is Anachibi um, somebody you rate, just listening? Yeah, listening. I mean, I mean, I, I was, I, I did have my um, my reservations when he signed in the summer, uh, but my, my viewpoint started... Yeah, seven million on the, what, what was uh, an injury-prone striker, are granted, however... He, he, honestly, from a person that's watched watched him, um, you know, week in week out, he, he really, he really is becoming increasingly more in, indispensable to our team. He, he's hold at play, um, the way he just, he just sort of uh, pops up in the box, uh, causes havoc, and it's this brilliant thing where you can just roll it into him, and he'll be on the edge of the box, and he's, he's such a strong, he's such a physical specimen. I mean, Dawson just not even in his league, honestly. He'll just roll the defender and then create something called score. So, you know, I'm quite a big, I'm quite a big fan of Anachebe. Um, mm. And I'm not, I don't want to, you know, wax lyrical over him. Yeah. But um, I think he's, he's, a, he's a good, he's, he's improving a lot in an Albion shirt. Uh, Jonas Olsen's back from suspension. Uh, so he can shore things up at the back alongside Gareth McCauley. We've got Claudio Jakob back. We've got Billy Jones back. Um, Zoltan Gere has been ruled out, uh, which is a massive blow. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, we kept a clean sheet um, for the first time since New Year's Day against Norwich. So if we can keep a clean sheet, although I am slightly worried with a, a revitalised Adebayor and Saldado up front, um, then I think we, that gives us a, a really great platform to go on and uh, get something from the game. Um, who would you be worried about then? Is it Adebayor that you're, you're most worried about or is it Ericsson? I mean, I, th- I think... Judging by the way we played against Sunderland, Sherwood's probably likely to stick with the partnership of Kane and Adibayar up top. Is is there any specific area of Tottenham that, that worry you coming to the Hawthorns? Yeah, there's a few actually. Um, as I said, I am slightly worried about Adibayar simply because uh, he's reinvigorated now under Sherwood. I mean, you, you know, you can say all you want about Sherwood, but that is, you just deserve credit for um 
for for bringing Adebayor back and and getting the best out of him. Um, I'm not sure if he'll will he work in a in a one man attack or will he will he work off Soldado. Soldado's most likely going to be injured, so I think it'll be ah, um, right. the young lad Harry Kane that'll play up with him. He scored, ah, yeah. scored yeah. against Sunderland. So. I saw I saw the Monday Night Football, and I, I I watched him at the England Under Twenty World Cup as well. But I'm not I'm, I've, I'm not really sure about Harry Kane. Um, I don't really know his exact position. To be honest, is he is he an attacking midfielder or is he a striker? He's a a second striker, so he's he's almost like a traditional number ten, a Teddy Sheringham esque player, where he'll play the role behind. The problem that creates when you're playing with Adibayor is they're both that type of striker that likes to sit a bit a bit deeper rather than being on the edge of somebody's shoulder like uh, Jermaine Defoe. So he's he's actually somebody his size. When we used to have Harry Redknapp, he tried to force him to be a big target man, a Peter Crouch type player. But what he actually is, he's, he's quite technical with his feet. So he's he's very good at linking play, um, holding the ball up. He, he likes to drift out to the flanks and he's very good at cutting in from the left and taking a shot. And he's actually got quite a decent drive on him. Um, but his issue is he, he, he seems to take a while to get into the game because he, he's quite young. It seems to... I think it's hard for him to pick up the pace to begin with, and then the more he's on the pitch, the more the better touches he has, the more the uh, the more he's involved, he gets a bit more confidence up, and that's what we saw against Sunderland with the defence as bad as they were and the performance as bad as they were. He he really took that opportunity with both hands and he played really well, and I was really pleased for him. He's still very young. I mean, he went on loan to Norwich, I think last season or the season yeah, before, Norwich was- and did absolutely nothing. He looked terrible. He didn't look like he was suited for the league or suited for for Tottenham whatsoever but he's he's had a bit of a under Sherwood who admittedly knows the youth team and even Andre Villas-Boas was playing him further back because he understood the position he's better in um, so I, th- I think he's he's probably deserved a, a start against West Brom but, maybe, um, maybe he'll be a threat then but there are two midfielders also that I'm worried about. Uh, that's Aaron Lennon with his pace and and uh, trickery down the, down the right, and also Bentaleb, um, who can control things in the middle. I'm not sure if he'll be able to nullify the um, likes of Morrison and Dorans and and uh, and Chieve if he plays. What do you reckon? Um, I'm not sure if Bentaleb will be fit or not. He didn't play midweek, um, so it could be that same partnership that started. Then he he's had an an different start. I think his main problem is he's because he's been brought in by Sherwood. Uh, a lot of the fans quite unfairly link him to Sherwood, so there's a lot of jokes about their relationship and and how how much nepotism there is involved with his involvement in the first team. But he has had games where he's looked like he's been exceptional and he's looked like he, he deserves to be in the first team. There's you know, he fits right in. You can tell when a young player comes in and they look head sure and you know, they hold themselves and they play like a, a professional senior footballer. And then there's some players who, who come in and you can tell the a bit of rabbit in headlights and it looks a bit of a step up for them. And he's had that in a couple of games and admittedly against the better opposition like City and the Arsenal games he's played in, he's he's not performed as well. But he um I think he could do well. He he, he likes to recycle possession, he, he plays it simply, he gets his foot stuck in. So if he's fit then he probably will play to be honest. He'll be he'll be at the World Cup as well, won't he? So that'll be a, a fantastic experience for him. But it, yeah, but uh he is someone that um if he does play, I just say he's someone that I'm I'm slightly worried about in terms of the midfield battle. What would you um what would you go for if I pressed you for a score line? Then nobody when we ask him this on the podcast enjoys doing it, but if you had to, to say a score? I'm gonna go for one one and that's being very, very optimistic. <laughs> I think I'll agree with you to be honest. I don't see us keeping a clean sheet with the way you'll 
press, I think. I think you'll score first, and then I'd imagine we'd equalise. I think that's probably the pattern of the game um, for me. Um, I think it'll be entertaining for sure. Um, usually when we play Spurs, it's a good game. Uh, and I'm sure you'll bring a, quite a lot of uh, a, a large following, quite a lot of fans as well. So Yeah, we always do. Our away support's fantastic. So that's something to, to look forward to. I think that's that's just about everything then, Nathan. Thanks very much for your time. No worries. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. So one of us just spoke spoke to that bloke from Birmingham, but he might have been from London, probably writing for like gold.com or something like that. Um, what did you make of the West? No, we can't even. What's, we can't even keep the pretense up, mate. We haven't spoken to him yet. We've literally, we've literally just recorded the intro. And now we're recording the outro. We've toned down the fourth wall far too much here. We have done, haven't we? You're getting a startling insight into what goes on here. But um, no, uh, West Brom. Can you? I mean, how how do you see that one going, mate? Because they they haven't had a great season at all. Um, is it is it a fixture where you expect us to pick up the points? Because to to give him his credit, it is the kind of games that show has has been winning for us. It will either be similar to the Sunderland game where they will they'll essentially fall apart and we'll do as much as we can to take advantage of that. Or it'll be like the Norwich game where they're scrapping for their lives and they'll they'll just essentially to use a Sherwood word, they'll they'll out desire us and they'll win it by a goal or two in a scrappy game. Um so it's it's gonna be one of the one or other. So I'm I'm not entirely sure what it's gonna go but you know our uh as I said before, with the Sunderland game, it's essentially pre-season stuff now. It's not; it doesn't really matter anymore, as far as I'm concerned. No, I mean if um, if Man United can beat them three nil away, though, I think we can do it. So Man United have got the best away record in the league. To be fair to them, I mean they just don't like playing in front of their own fans, where there's a bit of pressure on them. So it's, Ours must be second best, though. No, it's up there. I mean, I think the Norwich game was was one of the worst ones and we lost to Liverpool and Chelsea as well so I imagine it's it's gotten a bit worse since then um, I imagine yeah I, I, it'll be up there but I don't think it's it's one of the best anymore no. uh, <laughs> that was nice while it lasted wasn't it <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> speaking of uh, nice while it lasted Tim Sherwood's reign is allegedly coming to an end now uh I don't. I got a bit excited on Twitter. I'll be honest. It's not the first time I've done that, but uh, I did get a bit excited. But there's still nothing official yet. Um, <laughs> some people are genuinely not even having a joke. Some people are actually even suggesting that Tim Sherwood has leaked news of his own dismissal to the press. Um, Just to get feelers out for next season. Yeah, pretty much. And it it seems to have worked in that he's already got West Brom and Norwich circling, if you are to believe the same gutter press that reported the former. Yeah, West Brom and Norwich. If uh, Pepe Mel goes... Yes, indeed. Well, Apparently well, he's you'd, well something we don't to... the Premier League side come the end of the season, like. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Um, you, you're not going to be sad to see him go, are you, mate? Tim Sherwood. No. 
just while we're talking about it, Tim Sherwood's <laughs> um, I'm really disappointed to see him go. I mean, I was nowhere happy at all when he left. Um, that's enough of that before we get done for, like, copyright or something. I'll just drop it in. Every, t- every time we mention Shim Sherwood, I'll just play a bit of cool in the gang. Um, yeah, the iTunes algorithm will kick in. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I was, I was, you know, when it came, it was um, just really uh, confirming the inevitable, really, as far as I was concerned. And I was pleased because um, I'm, I'm not his biggest fan, <laughs> in case you were under some sort of strange illusion. Um, I'm welcoming a proper coach this summer. Um, I've not been impressed by his reign uh, all too much. There have been the occasional good performance um, here and there, but I think that was probably more down to the players than it was from him. Uh, his behaviour off the field and even on it at times has been very odd. I mean, even this the past game against Sunderland, there was the proximity of the press box to the um, to the technical area for both sides is so close that most managers would want to behave themselves and come across with people of the world's press writing out things there, searching for a story as hard as they can. 140 characters, Twitter at their fingertips to be saying, essentially you can transcript every word the, the manager says if you wanted to, which uh, some members of the press did last night. And um, apparently he was having set twos with the fans over clapping Danny Rose and, you know, just the odd fan, you know, having, as, as some fans do, the way they are, their frustration, just shouting at him, come on, Danny, do this, do that, you shit, you this, you know, knee jerkers. Apparently he took umbrage to it and although he's probably right to, um, in terms of saying it, you shouldn't ever say anything against your own players. That's not the job of the manager. They need to be ignoring them to the best problem. The best of I, I didn't. I didn't even know that, mate. You know, I'd, I'd not even heard that. Every but... everyone from the Times to Goal to everyone, every every journalist that was sat behind him, two or three tweets about his behaviour on the touchline, picking on certain members of them, telling them to fucking shut up and fucking support the lads and f this, f that, gilet this, gilet that. It was. It, it, that's why he's been sat in the stands because. He makes he makes an absolute fool of himself every time he's allowed near the general public. And it's it's weird, isn't it? It, it, it? You know, I mean, I understand his whole his candor about uh, you know I've got this job my own way and I'll go out being myself if I am to go out. But at the same time, you know, mate, just like what. what what's particularly irked me about the bloke is how he has just had this swagger. His whole approach to this whole job has just been, this is all a big jolly. This is easy. This is all a big laugh. I'm just a geezer. I'm just, I'm just Tim Sherwood, that geezer what used to play football. You know, and it's just completely at odds with this picture that's been painted for us by certain people that, oh, he's done all this work on the development squad. He knows the, he knows the club really well. If he knows the club that well, he'll know that people like Daniel Levy aren't going to respond well to that kind of thing. I mean, um, I think it's a case of him faking it until he makes it as well, isn't it? He's trying to act more self-assured and confident than he probably is. I'm sure he, he, he himself must know that he's not the best coach in the world, that he hasn't finished his coaching badges. He must feel that with himself and maybe he's, he's overcompensating he's you know he's acting up just to look like he's playing the part more than he actually can do it um just to sort of project himself in a better manner and he, he's backfired spectacularly because there's, there's large sections of not only 
his own fan base in terms of people at Tottenham, but the press as well that think he's <laughs> think he's a, a bit of a joke really for the way in which he's he's handled himself and he's things he said to them in press conferences and I mean the fact that Gareth again on that, that last podcast uh, with Sunderland compared him to Paolo De Canio's quite telling isn't it it's just fairly embarrassing to have him and just it's, it's a double job isn't it you've got to be an ambassador for the club and be a spokesman and be the figurehead you, you're the person that most people will identify as the, the person with Tottenham Hotspur that um is is the, the face of Tottenham while you're the manager, aren't you? So while we had AVB and he conducted himself extremely professionally, that's why so many people, including myself, very much liked him, very much liked the way he went about his work and handled himself for the large degree. Um, what went on behind closed doors, <laughs> we're not privy to, unfortunately. But, um, you know, Tim Sherwood publicly has been ridiculed by some people and having letting people laugh at you and giving them an excuse where you can't even defend yourself is just a horrible situation to be in. It's, but if we, you know, if we, if we look at who we might be getting in instead, the main names that have been linked thus far are Louis van Gaal, as we know, and Pochettino. Um, let's start with, we'll start with Pochettino it's one for me that I can't see happening in that it it represents too much of a gamble as far as Levy's concerned. I think he's, you know, there's, there's, there's parallels there with him and AVB, um, but not to mention the fact that he's really not performed very well in the latter half of the season with what is still a very, very talented Southampton team. I know his system kind of requires those industrious midfielders that have been injured, especially Wanyama, who was one of the linchpins of his early season. Yeah, and Schneiderlin as well. Precisely that. But one might argue that a truly great manager, as it were, would you know, know how to compensate for that. And Southampton have been a bit of a shower of late, really. Um, comparable to Martinez at Wigan for me. Um, obviously, Southampton sorry, in a much better position than Wigan were when Martinez was linked to leaving them. But a lot of people saw Martinez as perhaps being overrated at Wigan just because he'd had a side relegated, but because he'd played attractive football there, some people were, were more partial to wanting Wigan to stay up. But um, they, were, they were expecting him not to be as good as he has been for Everton, and obviously he's proven them all wrong, and he's, he's shown how good he can be with very limited budget again, but with a better range of footballers, and he's done extremely well in the market with loan signings. And the clubs like Barcelona have, have allowed him to have players like Delafeu because they understand what level of coach he is and how good he is with bringing players through and coaching them and, and playing a system that's conducive to the way that Barcelona want their their youth products bringing through. And Barcelona have even not themselves, but the Barcelona press and the press in Spain have have had him down for, for some weeks now as somebody who's possibly taking over from Martino in the summer if he's to go separate ways. From yeah, them. exactly. They were, they were talking about that on Football Weekly. Um, so, because yeah, he's Catalan, he he plays football the Barcelona way. And it's, it's also said that they really like the fact he's managed in England, that he's kind of earned his stripes in England because they feel it'll, it'll bring... Uh, 
an edge to to Barca's game as well that it might have brought a bit of a rougher side to his character um and they they really like that so yeah he is a name that is he is highly thought of out there Louis van Gaal yeah now that's it almost seems nailed on not nailed on enough that the two Tottenham fans who got Van Hal printed on the back of their replica shirts. Oh, they haven't off there. Oh, don't mate, it's a picture going around at the moment. Yeah, two Spurs fans have got Van Hal replica shirts. Van Hal number one on the back of their shirts. Step away from uh, people getting tattoos about people winning trophies before they've actually done it. Isn't it? Just you know, I mean, for all we know, he's going to end up as Arsenal's manager next season. You know, um, but. But there is a there's a there's a strong strong case for for Mr Van Hal in that he's a winner, he's yeah he's he's known to be someone that gets the best from the players that he inherits or picks up as opposed to looking to make wholesale changes and buy, um, and that's something that's definitely going to appeal to Levy. But at the same time, he's a manager that's supposed to be very hard to work with, megalomaniac doesn't like boardroom interference in the day-to-day matters of his running of the club. And that's, again, that's something I don't know how... Well, you don't need to even speculate. That's not going to go down well with a board like we have, who are, you know, very intrusive. But if there's, a, if there's going to be a man who's got balls big enough to lock horns with Levy in the right way, it's going to be him. It's either going to be a success and a, a working relationship that somehow comes to a, a good conclusion or it's going to be a spectacular failure and a, and a bit of a fallout. So I'd, I'd like to see that experiment. I think that would be quite amusing. I still have this feeling that if we are to bring in Van Hal, it will always be on like a two-year basis with a view to oh, yeah. bringing in De Boer. I, 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 do think, I do think FDB is Daniel Levy's I think that's who he's got his eyes on most of all. And I think somehow he sees Van Hal as being that person that can do the, you know, the paving for the Burr's arrival. And he, he's, he, I don't know, he's almost in a way enabling Frank de Burr to see Spurs as a viable option. It's like, you know, I've brought in this Ajax legend. I want him to mold the club into that Ajax style. Um, and then once we've got that platform there, we've got an established team because he's an old man. He's not going to be, you know, he's not he's not a long term appointment by any means. No, two three years at most, I'd imagine. Exactly. And if he sets in that groundwork, you can then see because Frank de Boer hasn't outrightly dismissed Tottenham, but he has at the moment, you know. And I, I, I think he's he wants to win that. Is it the third on the row for? For um, Ajax the league title, he wants to do that. I, that's I, an achievement he's got. His eyes. I think that's a part of it, and I think he's also intimated the fact as well that wherever he goes, he wants to know that he's going to have time to implement his own changes. And I think coming off of the back of us just getting rid of AVB, who is a young, you know, supposedly talented manager. I say supposedly because I know not everyone agrees with that. Um, What's going to say a young, talented manager, in my opinion. Um, who who has uh, you know his own style, his own way of playing football? Yet we we abandoned that project and sacked him. And I think to then go and approach another young manager who probably isn't even as established as AVB was at the time of us signing him, he's going to be thinking, well, do you know, do I want to do I want to 
have this stain on my career already. Whereas if he stays with Ajax, he can win a few more things. He can maybe have a little go of it in Europe. Um, you know, be that the UEFA Cup or Europa League, I should say, um, or get into the second round of the Champions League, whatever Ajax can achieve. Um, then, you know, it, it, it's good for him. It's better than coming to England where there's going to be a load of expectation upon him and he's just going to get sacked after a couple of years and people are just going to see him as a bit of a failure. And our pressure and ever to, you're not going to like a foreign football man who's going to talk to them about tactics. So they usually they quite like the Dutch, though. They quite because because they they're a bit like us. They like beer and they like darts, so they don't mind the Dutch generally. I find that's better then, isn't it? At least he won't get picked on like AVB did. Yeah, um, he he's doing all right. Just to just to go on to a, to AVB to piss off a few of people. Is. It's funny that, isn't it? Of course, he is. Yeah. I mean. I think out of all of them, Van Hal looks the most as if they've been the most, the most. There's no smoke without fire, is there? It seems to be the most movement surrounding him for the time being. I think it's what, what's your expression? I like kissy faces. He <laughs> he's been making yeah. kissy faces at us. Well, he's been making kissy faces at the entire league, hasn't he? He's, he's you know he's been Snapchatting pictures of his ass to every board going. That's Lewis Holtby, isn't it? <laughs> I was going to say both of them enjoy getting the knob and bollocks out, don't they? So <laughs> they'll get on. They'll get on well at the club. Um, so I, I mean, anyone but Shield at the moment. <laughs> that's that's kind of where all right. I, I, here's here's a few then. Kerbishley. Would you rather <laughs> have him than Sherwood? Yes. Really? Yeah. Alan Pardew. It'd be amusing. I mean, I'd, I'd, you know, Pardew. I've been, I probably shouldn't have been, but I was more endeared to him when he, he came out with the infamous shut your noise, you fucking old cunt. I was, I was, I was instantly <laughs> liked him a bit more. I probably shouldn't do. It's the most unprofessional thing that's ever been uttered on a touchline. Um, that was that was glorious. Have you, have you ever seen... There's a brilliant, just to cut in quickly, there's a brilliant Pellegrini um, vine that's going around. It's actually by a mate of mine, Richard Arrowsmith. Um where you've got this Sky Sports 1 commentator saying, so, uh, Manuel, that was a great game for you. Um, we had some trouble uh, ascertaining what your tactics were there because some people have said that you go for the 4-2-2-2, but then other people have said it looked more like a 4-3-2-1. Would you care to go into what it was you actually did for the game? And he just sort of goes, well, 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 what? <laughs> that's it. Like He's just sort of woken from this comatose. That's it. There you go. Maybe I have to, I guess I have to send it around it, afterwards. Well, We'll do a link. Yeah, fuck you. Um, Ian Dowie. Um, he's not the prettiest manager we'll ever have had. Um, he looks like an earthworm, <laughs> doesn't he? An earthworm that's had too many protein shapes. Have you ever seen them, them photos of people that put sellotape around the face and then take a selfie? That's what he looks like. <laughs> he looks like one of those, but permanent. It's of a face like yeah. a fist, isn't it? Like, yeah, But Ian Dowie. Over... Sherwood. Essentially, the only people I wouldn't take over Sherwood. Um, um, Tony Pulis. Yeah, Pulis. Look at the job he's doing at Palace. I'll take him. A bit of Route 1. That'd set us right. Imagine that. What about joking here? <laughs> joking here. I'd have joking here, yeah. At least, at least he's a proper Tottenham man. Um, the signings would be amusing. I want to see him get on with Adi Bayor. Um, that's a training... Joe Kinnear, he, he, he'd go out on a scouting mission and tell us we should sign Tom Carroll, <laughs> wouldn't he? You know, like. um, 
<laughs> Can you just imagine him and Emmanuel Ladipayo talking to each other? <laughs> Manu. What, what are you dying on about, Manu? What you, uh, I mean, what's his Afi What was he called? Have you seen, um, just to cut in, have you seen the vine of um, Sherwood post-game saying Andre Velasquez's name? No. Find it now. It's the Brit abroad who's just heard somebody's name. He, he's just he's missed out several syllables in it, and it's oh, it's glorious. Let me find it for you. It was only yesterday that. It, but it, is, it, is it like an is it like an Andrew Villas Bowies? Here we are. Wait a second. It's just loading. Andrew Andre Villabowis. What's what's he what's he mugging him off for again? He's got those Sky headphones on, um, talking to the people. So I don't know why he's referenced him. I tried to say his name, but he's he's missed out several several key aspects of the man's name there. I found it quite funny the other day when Jamie Redknapp was offering his insight into Daniel Levy. and yeah, how poorly he runs our football club. And there was there was a great comment on Twitter about it where the guy was like, Love love Sky Sports impartial commentary. Hey Jamie, what do you think of the guy that's trying to sack your best mate and sacked your dad? <laughs> you know? No, I mean it's well, there you go. I thought it was I I, I thought it was funnier than that, you mardy, no snorting uh, prick. It's just redden up, isn't it? He's not I don't understand why he's employed. I mean, he looks good in a suit and everything, but everything he says is ridiculous. I mean, you did a video technique of him, didn't you? Which was pretty much apt. Well, it's just spot on. It's what his analysis is always like. It's always like, you see Ben Leb over there, right? He's a defender, right? But he, he, he he's playing in midfield. And I've, I've even done my impression wrong. I've just said he was a defender. I've... I failed a, making fun of Jamie Redknapp. That's my lowest point. No, that's my lowest point right there, mate. I'm, I'm going to go in this now. Point. I can't. No, it's not really, to be fair. It's, it's close to. Um, but yeah, if you've if you've enjoyed this, because we, we, we might have spoken to a West Brom person, we might have not. Um, hopefully we will have done. Um, we should have done. I reckon we would have done. Uh, Birmingham accent and speak to himself. He'll just like <laughs> he'll put on like um, go either side of your microphone and just kind of make it seem like there's two people in the same room. Slightly schizophrenic. I'll i watch a bit of that Peaky Blinders and some Jasper Carrot stand up. About some someone has to. Um, yeah, uh, and then I'll you know get into carriage and I'll I'll get do some. Funny, funny video. I am. What? I am, mate. I'll, I'm a method actor, and I'll, I'm, I'm going to eat, you know, food from Greg's for a week. I'm going to, you know, whatever. Say Aston Villa is still the best team in the league. I don't, if you're um, a West Brom fan, you're not saying Aston Villa are the best team in the league, were you? I'm just going all about Brummies, you know, because no Brummies support Did Birmingham. You, my my yeah, roommate is a Brummies supporter. Ah, he supports. He supports Villa, really. He just <laughs> no, says he does. I think to they be cool. hate Villa collectively. I think Villa are the one they hate because they've got like a European Cup and a decent stadium while everyone else plays in horrible grounds in horrible parts of the city. I think Villa's like the attractive option in the city which 
shows you how shit Birmingham is. It's got the ball ring. It's horrible. It's quite nice. It's horrible. It's horrible. Custard factory. That's it's a good the, night uh, out. Oh, factory as well. It sounds like... No, the custard factory is not actually... It's a, It's like a nightclub thing. A nightclub. It's a disco. It's got a... Yeah, it's a discotheque, but yeah, Cadbury Lanza, or as we should call it, Craft World now, Craftworld. isn't it? So, no, it's not, but it's just owned by them. Like some it? sort of tar by Craftwork, or like a really twee, <laughs> a really twee BBC Two afternoon program. Hello and welcome to Craft World. Today we're going to be making origami pigeons. Um, yeah. So, you can listen to all the previous episodes of Rule the Roost on iTunes, our Buzzsprout website, and on spurstatman.com, where you can also find loads of other We've interesting stuff. Of, yeah, what's going on this week? A couple of good articles on this week. There's always like, good yeah. stuff anyway, but like, we had uh, Rob talking about Sunderland. Uh, he's back in the country now. The women of Argentina are mourning their loss. Um, but he's, he, he's I want Rob to give us a, a, a detailed and, you know, in-depth view of all his sexual escapades That's in Argentina. We'll if we, That's if what we can't I'm... get hold of a brummy, I'll get Rob on to talk about Argentina for 20 minutes tomorrow. Um, yeah. I like that. And then, Captain Cassio. Yeah, he, supposedly he's got a better microphone now so that he doesn't sound like he's coming to us from the 18th century. So that's better. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he previewed... Like he's communicating via smoking. <laughs> he's 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 a medium. A medium is connected through him through the ether. But yeah, he's he's apparently he's he's sort of that. But um, he he did something about Sunderland, which is up and uh, it's good as it always is. Talking about it, that's probably a bit you know irrelevant now. He is good. he is good, isn't he, Rob? Yeah, he is and good. then there's uh, Steve Jennings. Usually does our post matches, but he wrote a good piece about what he thinks about next season and what have you. What should be going on? A bit of a squad and club analysis on the whole, which is well worth your time to read. Uh, he took a lot of time over that. Bless him. It's, it's a few thousand words long. Um, so he's he's toiled hard over that. So it's it's well worth your time to read. It's um makes some very good points. He's a good lad as well as Steve. What what is it? So it's um Rob Bro at Rob Bro as in brother. Yeah, I think his name's um, Rob Brown, so it's like the first three letters of Rob and Brown and then seven, I think. Just send him as we said before, just send him abuse about how bad Radiohead are and that Queens of Stone Edge are a better band. And that um And it and it and Henderson's better than Sergio yeah, Busquets. Um, anyone's better than Sergio. If you if you just say anyone, um Pick a bad footballer. Dean Marnie is a better footballer than Sergio Busquets. He'll he'll just moan and he'll like um, he'll send us threatening messages afterwards. Now, see that won't annoy him as much, don't you? You've got to make it a bit more realistic than that. You got to say it's someone like you know Raheem Sterling is better than David Villa and his pomp. You know something like that. That'll get to Steven him Gerrard is the the most tactically um, advanced footballer in the world right now. If you tell him that, then he will he will cry. <laughs> um, yeah, make sure you mention us in that as well because I just I enjoy seeing him get really confused about why people are saying this to him. And then uh, Steve as well, as I said, read his piece. I'm, I can't remember. Just if you go on to Google and so search Steve, um, I'm sure it'll come up. I'm just funny. It's Steve 
at Steve Jen J E N ninety three. So give Steve a follow. I think Jen is what he was called before the change. Yeah. Oh, was it? It's interesting. Yeah. I thought he 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 looks like a man of a very mild complexion. <laughs> so that explains a few things. Um, that's that's me saying you're 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 a handsome and pretty young man, Steve. So he'd have been don't take that with any malice. Time, he'd have definitely been playing the lady of the whole. <laughs> a friend of um, so, um, yeah. So yeah, do that and also follow the boss JP's account at. We should get him back on again sometime yeah. soon. We haven't had him on for like half a year now. We should, yeah, let's get him on. You, you've Can't never JP. had him on with you, have you? I've never had him. Never had JP. No, I haven't. So yeah, we'll we'll get JP on again. We'll do it. Maybe end of the end of the year, we can get all the lads a little round table, Spurs Statman round table. Um, that could be good, couldn't it? Uh, um, we'll become one of those boring Tottenham who podcasts. Wants to, who wants to talk yeah. About yeah, who wants one of them, Ben? Yeah, don't yeah. Don't list, Think don't you can leave us? You'll be till next week. With that. <laughs> it's a new one every day, isn't it? Yeah, so my dad started one downstairs just now. He's rooster rule. It's called. It's going to be. Yeah, he's, you kind of ran out of steam there. I was there, riffing, you know? and I kind of, I thought you'd like just kind of step in and help me out, but you just left me a fucking drown. I let you drop the mic, mate. You be you choked it. You're being booed off stage. Um, yeah, and obviously follow our Twitter handle at RTRSSM. The gloom is almost over, ladies and gentlemen. Five more games. And that probably means five more episodes of this shower of shit. Good evening. Good day. Whatever time it is. Leave us alone. Hello? Hello? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think that's about copyright done now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.